Welcome to Model Rail Radio. I'm Tom Barbelay, and it's being recorded live on Skype, March 25th, 2023. Model Rail Radio is the internet's only live recorded radio show where the topic is the hobby of model railroading. Well, start up the show and have the one and only John Samatsky on the call. John, what's going on in the model railroading hobby with you currently? Well, today I uh, really yesterday and a little bit today I was building some electronics for uh, Bob Hayden. Mm. So it turns out that he needs uh, to have a circuit that uh, the dispatcher calls a certain place and an LED lights up and a buzzer goes on, but he wants the buzzer on for just a, a couple of uh, seconds. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, that was the uh, that was the the thing that we've been doing, and uh, it seems to be working pretty well. You know, it's a, a kind of a simple circuit, but it always takes a little bit of a uh, little bit of doing to make sure that stuff works right. So terrific. Well. Very good name dropping there. I'm impressed that you're getting your work on Bob Hayden's lab. Um, is he doing it for operations purposes or does he just have, what's the purpose of the circuit that you're building? Um, the whole thing is that Bob needs a, um, phone system for the dispatcher. Certainly. And then, uh, right now, actually, he runs the railroad without that and Ooh. he just sort of hangs around and tells people, Hey, somebody's coming. <laughs> It's a large enough layout that I think it would be interesting to have a dispatcher, but not necessary. Mm. And so um, he's heading towards having that. Uh, right now he has a schedule. And it turns out that he's got, you know, five, six, seven towns along the way, some that are still within yard limits. Mm -hmm. So they're controlled in a different way. But then the other towns, they all have passing sidings. Interesting. But there's really only one passing siding where you can pass the trains that we're, we're running for the most Ooh. part now. Yeah, so he, uh, he, he wants to uh, have a more realistic experience. He wants to have the ability to tell people ahead of time that, you know, you've got something coming out of Brunswick because it's mm -hmm. all set in Maine. Mm -hmm. And uh, you need to uh, be prepared for, um, uh, you know, a meet in some certain place and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. No we, question about we've it. We've had a discussion. I think you were even the participant in the discussion associated with the distinctions between a loud loud and a quiet loud. Yes. So it's an interesting movement into the, the phones because it quietens the loud quite a bit. Yes. You do need it. If you're going to try and communicate, uh, the, the layout's actually in several rooms. Including, mm. I'll, I'll say two large rooms and then a room for the dispatcher that's Very also cool. the crew lounge. So normally without the phone system, I guess there's movement and calling between rooms and these kind of things. With the phone system, people can focus more on the immediacy of what they have coming up. It's interesting you describe the siding length because I think that would make for really fascinating operational interest if you had to, I don't know, regulate your train's length or at least keep that in mind as you use the sidings accordingly. Is that what happens typically? No, uh, it's something I suggested to him. I said, why don't we keep the train lengths to eight instead of going up to 12, which means, you know, again, that we can't pass in certain places. Mm -hmm. And he just said, no, you know, the, the bigger trains look nice. And who am I to argue with? Bob? It's his layout. <laughs> it's his layout after all. So oh, yeah, absolutely. No, that's right. And that's, that's the golden rule, right? For our stuff. And so, yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, he, he has, so he actually every week he has what he calls a test session. Mm hmm. Tuesday afternoons we gather, and they're operating sessions in every sense of the word. Uh, a while ago, they were more test-like, and now they're pretty much just pure operating sessions. But the point is that we've provided a lot of feedback on what works and what doesn't, and you know he's adjusted accordingly. The thing, of course, runs like a clock because mm. all the track is hand-laid. Mm -hmm. All the bench work is of the highest quality. You know, All those things are just done to super high standards. And yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to work. Now you talked about noise. So the the room is, oh, I would guess twenty by twenty five. The main mm -hmm. room, something like that, maybe twenty by thirty. And then the smaller room, which actually has lots of switching in the main yard, is uh, probably fifteen by twenty. Hmm. Anyway, 
turns out that, uh, that there's not that many people on the railroad. He keeps it to maybe eight operators, six to eight. Mm-hmm. And the talking between that and the fact that it's carpeted room and very large aisles and all that sort of stuff, uh, you don't really hear. It, it's it's not at all cacophony. Interesting. <laughs> my, my room can get that way, believe me. Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, his uh, it's actually a very pleasant experience. He was actually thinking of adding more track and thought about it and said, no, this way I can have you know six foot wide aisles and all that sort of stuff and five or six feet. And so it's uh, yeah, it's a very it's a real pleasure to operate. Very cool, very cool indeed. Yeah, the siding length is an interesting thing just to think about it in a kind of practical term. And obviously, it's his layout; he can make the choices. But when you operate on the layout, what what kind of tricks and techniques do you use in order to allow trains to pass or do you break things up or how, how does that work out there's one very long uh, siding where almost all the meets happen mm-hmm. and it turns out that there are and that's about halfway around it gets a little bit uh, tighter in the town that is immediately past the uh, the main yard and mm-hmm. that has to be coordinated occasionally uh, we will have to break up trains and do a saw by mm-hmm. and and that's kind of fun right certainly <laughs> We have a couple guys who, who run on railroads who are operators. Uh, you know, they know this stuff, and they, they sort of think that's pretty cool that you have to do that at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly it's uh, looking ahead, and I guess that's where the realism of the dispatcher will come in, is that instead of me looking ahead and talking to the guy who's running, you know, a big cement plant that uh, you have to get by him, instead he'll be told by the dispatcher what's going on and, and given instructions on what to do. So, yeah, I think that that will lead to some more uh, realistic running. Mm. And in terms of the dispatcher, is there any electronic interface that shows where the trains are or is it done? How, how does the dispatcher operate on Bob Hayden's lab? It's all dark. He's just going to have to be told where things Ooh. are. So it'll all just be communication. Interesting. And that's pretty much what the other layouts that we use around here are like, too. The, 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 they call it the mother may I. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they pretty much do it by uh, the dispatcher says you're allowed to go to this place and then uh, and I dispatch a lot and so I usually tell people go to this place take this certain track and sometimes we have to have a conversation you know depending on, on what's going on in a given uh, town so yeah it's all pretty much uh, quite informal the way the railroad itself would operate mm. so I, I have a friend here his name is David Tung. And I'm going to have him uh, make a couple comments here now while we're... Uh, Pleasure to have you on, David, if you want to take the hot seat. I was just going to mention, I don't think the phones make these layouts we operate on any quieter. Interesting. So what, what principle does the phone give? Just immediacy or what, what functionality do you get specifically with the phones? It's certainly clearer communication. It's also more like a, a realism thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what they do the most, don't you think? Yeah, and then this, in terms of making it quieter, I guess the, what what Bob and what, it, what Tom and I have talked about in the past is the notion that if you're yelling across the room, "Hey, can I go to this next place?" It adds to you know the general din. But you're yeah. thinking that uh, because the phones are ringing and off the hook sometimes that it's well, and people still yell to the dispatcher, and then the dispatcher yells back <laughs> to use the phone. You know, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. When a yard is very close, you, you do have the tendency to say, hey, Jeff, can you take this train? Hey, Jeff, do you have any trains to send and things like that? So yeah. I, I guess actually I'm, I'm, I'm talking myself out of the things we've talked about. In the past. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Bob Hayden is clearly a very particular kind of loud. I can understand. But uh, yeah, the interesting thing, I mean, I think when you and I discussed this previously for the benefit of your friend, it's because I've seen louts where – there has been a very kind of loud communication. It, it wasn't specifically with regards to Bob's lab. It was more an experience I've had on louds historically where the introduction of phones, maybe because people whisper, when they do it with headsets, it's even quieter. People whisper into the headsets. It's a very different kind of uh, loud typically. But I can imagine if you do a combination of phone and other communication, then obviously it's not going to uh, affect the general volume of the louds in any particular fashion. To tell the truth, it's really funny because some of the guys will say, hey, so-and-so isn't here, and it's so quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's really more the banter that adds Interesting. to the din, now that I think about it. <laughs> da- David's a quiet guy here, but there's other guys who are uh, much less so. Certainly. David, would you like to introduce yourself and your model railroading interests? Let's see. I met John through a, a guy that started uh, 
working with me recently, like at, at work work. And he, he knew John and, and the whole community, including like Dick Rado and Chuck Cole. Yeah. So that's our group. That's what we do. Do you have a laugh of your own? No. I have some N-Scale T-Track modules. Mm. That was fun. I started that before I met these guys. And now uh, this guy from work's trying to talk me into making some Freemo modules. Mm-hmm. I'm putting a lot of thought into that. Freemo N or Freemo HO? HO. Interesting. Yeah. And you also built the, uh, the diorama. Yeah, I also... I. I think it's easier to be more constrained. Mm. I just noticed I was at the hardware store. They had like a, a three foot long board. Mm-hmm. that's like six inches wide. Like those, that was a standard thing they had. And I thought like, huh, tracks are three feet long. Like maybe I should get one. Mm. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty fun. So in the, yeah, the theme for that is going to be the, um, the breaking bad scene where they steal the, <laughs> out of the tank car. Uh-huh. Because that, I mean, that was filmed, like, right here. Like, probably between, like, Bob and Chuck's layouts. Interesting. Outside of Lamy. <laughs> like, right in that neck of the woods. So, it seemed like a, a fun thing to, to dabble in. Keep it local. Yeah. So, in terms of model railroading, aside from uh, T-Track, what kind of stuff have you dabbled with previously? That was really it. I had been completely out of it until probably... 2017 or 18 mm. at the Santa Fe rail yard. There was a group set up. John thinks it might've been his group. Uh-huh. They had some, uh, some T track modules and other things and T track seemed the easiest. That's what got me started in that. Very cool. Yeah. It's a small world. And in terms of the, the broader crew, you seem to operate on all the uh, John's friends layouts. Do you have favorites amongst the layouts you operate on? Hmm. I don't think so. They're all very different. Mm. Does anyone from John's crew model your local stuff, or is it all New England and alike? Uh, no, Dick Rado models, um, it's Raton Pass, right? Mm. Yes. Raton Pass, Santa Fe. Interesting. That's a beautiful layout. It Well, Bob, of course, wrote an article. Well, he and Dave Freire helped to build it, at least the... Mm. Uh, Showed Dick how to do the scenery, and 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 Bob built a number of really high quality um, scratch built models cool. to, to match uh, prototype. But uh, it, it's a very beautiful layout. It was uh, there was an article maybe two thousand three, two thousand five, and Model Railroader on it, and cool. it's it's online. There's a few pictures out there. I've seen some YouTube videos. If you're not familiar, it's it'd be worth your time to check it out. In terms of space, how big is the layout? Oh, I would guess it's 30 by 30 or something oh, like that. interesting. Okay. Yeah, maybe 25 by 25. It's it's down in a basement. It turns out that uh, he, he was building it. So Raton Pass has a two-track main line, mm-hmm. and then he's got the major yards at each end. And then, and then beyond those, he has two large staging yards. And it turns out that he built the thing mostly to run his very – beautiful brass train passenger trains and, mm. and some nice freight trains and not do ops per se interesting and then after he got involved with this group he realized boy i want to add some operational possibilities and so he added industries in the yard some switching on the pass and stuff like that and very so cool. yeah it's got a very different character than say the one that chuck cover has is the shimokan branch of the pennsylvania railroad Ooh. in eastern pennsylvania <laughs> and so as a dispatcher and as an operator, the, the character is completely different because you're on a single track branch that you have to plan the meets in and stuff like that. You know, going back to our earlier conversation, Certainly. because Dick's layout with the double track main is uh, pretty much uh, pumping trains through and then mm. switching yeah. in the yards. There's a lot of times in the Raton Pass layout when you're just watching you're not always worried about what's going on. There's it seems like there's a lot more times when you just let the train go. Interesting. I guess that's probably similar to the prototype. It's a it's a point of through traffic as opposed to uh, eastern Pennsylvania, which I'm sure is through traffic in certain parts, but not in the particular prototype. Well, that's very fascinating. Yeah, very much so. The, the character very much comes through. Their design desires mints really did <laughs> feel them now. Yes, Gibbons, Gibbons versus Druthers. Interesting. Indeed. Interesting. So, so in terms of the next few months, John, do you have any plans of how, if you got operators coming, are you doing additional stuff? What, what's going on in the model railroading hobby with you in the next couple of months? 
Oh, it's pretty funny because my brother was uh, here, uh, the one who operates remotely from from Pennsylvania, in this Mm -hmm. case, Western Pennsylvania. And I ended up having train things five days in a row. (laughs) Because uh, we had an op, op session in Santa Fe, we had uh, we went to my friend uh, Jeff's place where he has a three rail layout, and my brother does three rail. Mm. And then we did some ops here, and then we did the Tuesday session at Bob's, and then we had another three rail layout to visit. So it was very rich here this past week. I couldn't wait to get back and start building things. I'm doing still have a number of scenery items that I need to uh, attend to. It's uh, things that I believe in continuous improvement when it comes to travel. Cool. Cool. <laughs> you could argue that it should have been right to begin with, and I could have done a better job to begin with. But hey, it's always important to correct things when you find them. And so I've actually uh, done quite a bit of that sort of thing. Uh, things that were working okay, and then you noticed, well, that thing derailed. Why did that derail? And you start digging in, and of course, you end up finding two or three turnouts in the same area that are just not quite up to spec, and mm. you know, the things like that. So I, I'm doing those kinds of things. I, I built a. I, I, well, this is an interesting topic in general because the whole question of how user friendly you can make your layout, mm. I'm taking that more to heart, and I think people have been trying to tell me that in different ways saying well you need more documentation or you need this and i'm not sure that any of us could quite put our finger on it but it really comes down to user friendliness and so for instance i had a staging yard with five tracks and it had toggle switches where you set the toggles for the train to go down the the yard ladder and then you'd set a toggle for it to go into the right uh, yard track and it turns out that people always had to sort of look at that twice and think Mm -hmm. about how is it how do i get to this track and so I just put in a ESP processor and, and a rotary switch. So it's it's basically a software diode array, and mm-hmm. uh, and then it goes ahead and and you just choose it now by turning the rotary switch to the right to the right track, and the turnouts all throw, and it's just more user friendly. It'll mm. also turn off power to the other tracks, so we don't have the additional din of of engines that are running. To be frank, that's one of the things, especially in a room that's relatively small, like mine, Mm -hmm. that uh, it could get actually uh, a little extreme how much Mm. sound just from the engine. I turn everything down, but nevertheless, it still can add a lot. But when you run them, you want them on, of course, but just having some features like that. Certainly. um, Yeah, it's it's things like that. It's improvement. It is uh, adding in user-friendliness. I added train cards that I used to have. The people were still sort of orienting themselves to the layout enough that they sort of weren't ready to read a train card that gave instructions. They they had to be led through it. And Interesting. So now I've gone back to having train cards yeah, that provide enough instruction that they should be able to do all the things that they need to do, including how they get into the staging yards mm-hmm. properly and all that sort of stuff. Very cool. So let's call that a theme, mm-hmm. is, uh, is how, how, how can we be user-friendly to people? Very cool. Well, John, thank you for bringing over David as well into the call. It's been a pleasure chatting with you both. Thank you for calling into Model Rail Radio today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Tom. I'd like to welcome our regular Model Rail Radio participant, Linton. As you're calling in today, what's going on with the Model Rail Riding hobby in your part of the world? Oh, not much lately. I've just been finishing off some O-Gage stuff and, um, yeah, nothing really. A radio-controlled truck. I've been inspired Ooh. by the bridge guys. So, yeah, that's been good. Very cool. And yeah. what scale is the truck? Uh, it's 143 as well. Ooh. So, yeah, 7 millimeter scale. Yeah, so yeah, it's up and going. Almost finished painting it. So, just doing some decals. Is it an Australian it. prototype? truck or oh, is it? it was it was in australia so it's an it's an aec monarch uh, I think it's, uh dj parkins in the in the um in the uk produces mm-hmm. it so yeah no, it's, it's been good but yeah just work life and family life sort of been getting in the way of a lot of motor railway stuff at the moment interesting so, yeah and the yeah, plan is to have yeah. the truck on the layout yeah definitely so like i keep running through lots of plans for layouts obviously and, and in the <laughs> scale it's obviously it takes up a bit more space oh yeah a bit more collective oh yeah but um something with a probably a proposed, uh, I don't know if many people will be familiar, but there's a town called Thelmy in New South Wales, mm-hmm. and there was a railway line that was proposed to be built from Thelmy up to the coal mines, like up mm. around uh, the Oaks and everything. So it was actually a, uh, an approved proposed line, 
Wonderful. So, yeah, so it'd be a bit of a cult. So the radio-controlled uh, trucks and that would deliver coal to the coal loader. Terrific. And then, um, yeah, bring it in the rest of the way by rail. So, yeah. Loving yeah. the Australian native birds in the background, by the way. That's uh... oh, I'm, I'm actually fishing at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so I thought, oh, it's pretty peaceful at the moment. Nothing's, I'm not catching anything, so I'll just call you. Very and, cool. Uh, yeah. No, sorry I didn't catch up with you in uh, uh, Las Vegas there in August last year. Not at all. It's a bit of a joke. Look, I will tell you, Ted Roy and his wife are coming through, and you've, yep. you've become the example not to be like Linton. Uh, Ted Roy contacted <laughs> me a month in advance, said, where's the local sushi spot? Gave him the local sushi <laughs> spot. He and I are meeting, and wives are, are coming along as well. My wife, um, what's the term, pre-crimed me yesterday and said, this isn't going to be another one of those model radio sushi events, is it? Well, apparently they're legendary. I haven't heard about this, but apparently I, I go to the event, eat vast quantities of fish, disgust everyone concerned, and then we leave. Well, that is my recollection of the previous sushi events. And look, my view is Ted Roy, lots to talk about with him. Uh, pleasure to meet his wife as well. So I think you provided the example. I used you as a bit of a scapegoat, really, um, as being don't be like Linton, get in contact if you're coming to Las Vegas and make sure you see me. So hopefully no one else will message me saying, ah, fascinating, I'm listening to this show while I'm right in Vegas. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind whirlwind trip, really. It was all with work, so. Oh, okay, so front was Yeah, we went from Reno to um, LA to Las Vegas and all these sort of bits and pieces. So, yeah, it was quite quite busy, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's about all I've got, really, (laughs) for Motorola stuff. I was just going to have a listen, but yeah. Cool. Well, Mm. thank you for participating. We seem to, I mean, since Lance Eckering's passing, the shows are getting more and more kind of scattered. So what I typically do is uh, through the two hours allocated, I stay on the line as people call in, they call in and feel free to hang in on the call. Um, what part of the world are you, what part of the water system of Australia are you fishing in currently? Uh, we're up near Lithgow, so Ooh. Lake Wallace. Ooh. Yeah, we went down the Cox River yesterday. That was interesting. So, yeah, been a bit of a waste of time when it comes to fish, but it's um, it's always good to do something The nature of so. fishing is never actually... I mean, I know people that fish to catch fish. My grandfather, um, my paternal grandfather, used to fish to catch fish, um, but he also just as much enjoyed the act of fishing without catching anything. So I don't think catching fish necessarily indicates that it's a good or bad fishing trip. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a fisherman, but it's, it feels like playing the lotto to me. <laughs> it's like every time you put it in there, you're like, oh, I've got to get one, and then you, you just don't. Let's Rarely do. Rarely do. Yeah, I'm going to be a millionaire, but no, I'm not a millionaire. So Very good. It's, yeah. Well, I think you're the good. first person fishing calling into Model Rail Radio. That's certainly <laughs> going to go up there. So thank you very much for calling in today. Pleasure chatting as always. No worries, Tom. Take, Take care. Thanks for having me. Bye. I'd like to welcome on Dave Brazza. One Saturday afternoon, literally on Facebook, just checking out who on Model Rail Radio was online. In terms of the Model Rail Rating hobby, what's been going on with you recently? Just got back from a, an ops weekend in uh, in the Bay Area, actually. Ooh. I had a really good time. Bay Rails. Bay Rails, that's right. Bay Rails 20, 2023. I got to operate on uh, Seth Newman's, David Ooh. Parks. Ooh. Big uh, names in the hobby. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, absolutely. I had a great time on both layouts. David Pugs uh, is just insane. I, I thoroughly yeah. recommend everyone who has the opportunity to see it. It's an earthquake-proof <laughs> basement layout, and that's just the start of it. Three layers, four layers in some sections. How was it operating? It was a good time. I dispatched it. and mm-hmm. uh, That's going to be I quite was, a job. It was quite a job, and uh, everyone sort of complimented me on keeping my cool. Very cool. Uh, because it's uh, it's a place where it's very chaotic, and, and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. There's just a lot going on at all It has time. phone systems, though. We were just talking about phone systems a little earlier. Day parks mm-hmm. layout, while being huge, I mean, it would be impossible without phone systems. But talk about right. a little bit of this chaos, even with phone systems. Well, they... There's very few operating sessions I've ever been to where they had to change the command station in the middle of the session. Ooh. <laughs> my, uh, my appreciation goes to Dave. It is, is the most complicated model railroad I've ever encountered. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, I have, I, that's what I like about it. But, mm. I mean, you're also on the razor's edge of bleeding new technology there. And something came up with this TCS command station that was unexpected. Uh, that had to do with a new feature recently implemented, 
and it basically to move the session forward. He, that, he's the kind of guy in his layout. There's probably three or four command stations he could have chosen Redundancy. to go forward with. Redundancy. So, yeah. So I mean, I mean, how many? I've heard of a lot of sessions where the command station failed and the session had to be had to be stopped. Oh, I mean, I've gone home from other people's uh, layouts when that's happened. Mm. But no, uh, no, he's got a crew of guys. Uh, in like five minutes, they had the whole thing changed over and we move forward. You know, as the dispatcher, that puts you in a strange position because suddenly nothing was moving and now suddenly everything is Everything's moving. Everything's moving, yes. Uh, it's an interesting dispatcher job because it's it's hands-off. Your eyes and ears are the operators in the field who mm-hmm. are not in the same room as, as you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have to you, – you do have the luxury of a screen where you can see what the tower operators are seeing. But mm-hmm. um, even looking at that is, is sort of cheating. Yes. But, uh, you know uh, – you. All dispatcher jobs have, you know, you've got a train sheet, you track the trains, you put in the times, you know who should be going when. You know, it was uh, it was a blast. I really enjoyed it. Let's talk about the vastness of Dave Park's lap. I mean, this <laughs> thing is a serious lap. My favorite stat is that two-thirds of the track is hidden. Yeah. And that's because the staging yard is, is like, you know, titanic in its size. Uh, the entire B&O, uh, multiple divisions in the Western Maryland are all stored down there. And he has uh, Leo Pesci is like a staging wizard mm-hmm. and just brings everything up using uh, JMRI automatic running up out of its berth up into the point where it reaches the tunnel portal, which is also a metaphorical portal between the staging world and the world where humans operate trains as part of the operating session. Certainly. So, I mean, and it, what, it's funny, if you look down under the layout, the trains come out of staging at speed step 128. Ooh. It's, uh, it's very, I'm, listen, it's about efficiency at that point. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a helix that's got to be 20 feet in diameter that mm-hmm. just loops trains up. And then they pop up at the tunnel portal or the computer relinquishes control. And then when the crew's ready, they pick up the train. Mm. I've never seen that done. You know, I, there's, I've been on a layout where they've had a guy who handles trains that arrive from other divisions, and he drives. He only drives trains out of sta- staging into a major yard. But, um, you know, this, that guy, the staging operator, is doing everything manually as opposed mm-hmm. to sitting Certainly. here as a, as a maestro in front of a computer console. <laughs> it's it's really a it's a landmark layout. I mm. mean, um, and it, it it's big, and and you know. The, the structures have all been carefully done to make you feel like you're in the B&O Cumberland West around Cumberland Gap. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, I mean, it's in any operating session, there's times where you kind of, you know, it's a slow time. And this is one of those layouts where you can just look at stuff. Yeah. Just stop, look at the it's layout, fast. and just admire the craftsmanship. Yeah, you turn your head I, I 360 degrees. Yes, exactly. You yeah. haven't seen all of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That, I think, is the best way to describe Dave Park's lab. Yeah, yeah, I, he's broken every barrier in, L, in LCC before I got to it, and for that alone, he has my perpetual appreciation. You know, I've, I, There's no limit I have to push that he hasn't already pushed through. Mm. Uh, and Balaz, I mean, he, he's friends with, with Balaz, who's one of the principal developers of LCC. Mm-hmm. So he's just, he has a hotline whenever he come, comes up with a problem. And uh, it's just it, just, it gets taken care of, you know. Mm. Well, in terms of your own model railroading hobby, day parks aside, what's uh, the next few months looking like? I, I'm hosting an oper- open operations event at the end of April, so I'm Ooh. kind of getting ready to gear up for that. Cool. Uh, there's a couple signal bridges that I'd like to put in that I've received Ooh. that I, I want to light up and get operation. Very nice. You know, the, the Golden Spike, such as it was, was, was oh, it's 15 months ago. Mm-hmm. And in the ensuing time, I've really been honing the operations scheme working on car cards, waybills, uh, prototypical switch lists, just figuring out ways to uh, elegantly deal with varying crew sizes on mm-hmm. a railroad, you know. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a lot of honing. There hasn't, there, the signals have been, are, get installed as soon as they show up, and mm. certainly the dispatcher's job gets easier and easier. The, the, the two operators' jobs get easier and easier as the signals go in. So um, there's a guy down in Florida that's 
doing the assembly for me. Cool. And uh, there's a guy in New Jersey that's 3D printing the signals that are going in on the Ooh. on the second level, which I'm uh, which I assemble myself. Interesting. So it's been expedited. Yeah, the, there's a this guy uh, Mike Dempsey, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, it's a they're a prototyping company in New Jersey, and uh, this guy is a hobbyist. And cool. They they make Pennsylvania position light signals that look exactly correct with the it's called the spider. Behind the big round target that's got, you know, seven or so holes for the different aspects, there's a – it's just threaded pipe that holds the different aspects together mm-hmm. into the circle shape. Uh, and that's actually printed. And, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure this guy prints it up to a point in the printer, lays the wires and LEDs in, and then prints the rest, Ooh. which is I – don't, I don't know how he could do it any other way. But the, these signal heads come with the wires dangling out of them. And they're there to scale. He's made me a couple things that I didn't think I'd ever see in HO scale, one of which was a block limit signal, and the other one was a, a pedestal, position light pedestal signal mm. that's not oversized. It's not SRO or anything else. Ooh. It's a scale. Uh, and so you've got, you're talking very teensy. If, if, you're gonna, if you were to build it yourself, <laughs> it would be what, what is called fiddly. Very good. Very fiddly. So, um, so yeah, signals and ops is basically what's been happening uh, down in the basement. Cool. A little bit of work uh, building a transload area, and a little bit of work uh, enlarging the staging yard. Since nobody, everybody always thinks they have twice as much staging as they need when they design the layout, and we always determine that we have half of what we exactly. need. Exactly. And then uh, I, I've been complimented by a couple of my regulars who work for the prototype railroad that I mm-hmm. model. They've taken to calling the basement the simulator. Interesting. And I had a very real problem with the siding that was too short. And I had I had left it short because of aesthetic reasons. And uh, these guys were like, uh, yeah, dude, why is that so short? We would never be able to do this job in mm-hmm. real life if it was this short. So I was like, okay, well, okay, time to get track. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting so, uh, feedback. The yeah. simulator—that's very ominous. I like that it's, a lot. It, well, it's it's a, it's a compliment more than anything else, and it, yes. it, it is true that all all the same problems that they have on a daily basis have been replicated on the layout, even if they're unwelcome. <laughs> very like, good. You know, the the, the old adage about a, a yard that's half full is full. Mm-hmm. Well, Fresh Pond Yard in Queens is completely full all the time, mm. and that's just the world in which they live. They mm. they have they have a meager infrastructure for the amount of traffic that the railroad has grown in its time uh, in existence. And what was fine for them in 1997 is completely inadequate for their needs in 2023 for all the best reasons. Mm. Yes, you know they've gone from. 6,000 carloads a year to 38,000 carloads a year. You wouldn't complain. With the same infrastructure. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, I, I was just saying you wouldn't complain to that kind of uh, improvement. Well, the American pastime is, of course, complaining about your job. So, I mean, the yard is filled to the gills on any given moment, and mm-hmm. it makes it difficult to move cars around because you don't have places to put the cars that are Certainly. in the way. Certainly. You know, shuffling. What should be would be a simple shuffling cars around to build a, uh, a train that's going to go out on the road that should take maybe an hour or two might take a whole shift just mm. because you're stashing things wherever things can be stashed and a lot of extra moves. So uh, they're definitely making their uh, eight hours plus overtime every day in the yard. Very cool. So, okay, in terms of signaling, is this just a plug-and-play thing or are you going to have to do some work on the actual programming of the signals? Uh, I always do the programming from scratch. Uh, I, I haven't found any... I mean, I... You know, I'm cursed with being a professional signal engineer, <laughs> so I, I know how it should react to mm-hmm. any given situation, or I know how to find out how it should react to any given situation. And uh, so, JMRI can do a lot for you. A lot of the products that are out there can, can get you most of the way there, but I'm pushing, trying to push that extra, get it from 85 to 97%. Realism. There. Yeah. So, it's just, you know, I mean, some people count rivets and... and uh, some uh, crazy uh, people uh, make HO scale cars drive by remote control. Um, this is just logic fiddly as opposed mm. to finger fiddly. And, uh, you know, I, I want to be able to give a stop and proceed at the right time or a, a restricting at the right time and all the rest of it. So that they're, it's easy to wire up the signals to the hardware and get mm-hmm. them on LCC and going. The logic of making them work correctly in between themselves and 
that's the game for me. It's a little bit of a busman's holiday, but I, I still greatly enjoy it. Very good. Well, Dave, thank you very much for calling into Model Rail Radio today. Pleasure catching up my, with you as always. My pleasure. I'd like to welcome on Martin Coombs. Martin, you may not remember this, but maybe through COVID, maybe just as we were breaking out of COVID, you described a vision associated with your new real estate in your property, uh, associated with people coming in and creating almost sections that they added onto the layout. In terms of the model railroading hobby, any movement towards that? What's going on in the hobby with you currently? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> Very basically. good. I've been busy with work mm-hmm. and uh, not had, well, not that much time at all. And what spare time I have managed to, or really enforced break actually, is I've just got a quite a pile of 16mm scale wagons mm-hmm. on the bench. And I just take a break from work and do half an hour or so or an hour depending, and get them painted. Mm. And that's uh, there's probably about 20 to 30 wagons. I've, mm. I've you mentioned 18 them. last time you called in, so 18 was yeah, the magic I've number previous. Box of them. <laughs> but uh, I'd forgotten about that I'd built and need painting. So um, um, they've got to be done. Mm. And painting something you can stop and start reasonably uh, in a short period of time, as it were, because I'm doing brush painting rather than airbrushing. Mm. And with the newly acquired wet palette mm-hmm. uh, i'm finding it very useful keeping the acrylics uh very workable wonderful for, for quite a while so that that's that's been quite a boon but yeah it is it's quite interesting you should mention the the plugging elements because it, it is only uh earlier this yeah earlier this week uh ken uh rung me very cool so he's he's had a i don't know if you remember he was going to do his plug-in modules was basically a canal Oh, yes, I remember that well. Yeah, well, that's not going to happen. Okay. He's had to change of plan. And Fair enough. he's now going to model his own line. Ooh. Uh, but only the bit, you know, the, sort of the top of his line, mm-hmm. where basically all the shunting goes on, where mm-hmm. the, the engine shed is, the small station, the sidings, the Certainly. loop, uh, the skip siding. Mm-hmm. That's the element he's going to concentrate on mm. and, and going to build that. What scale? Uh, 16 mil scale, so it'll, it'll plug into the garden, garden stuff. The beauty of that is if he finds anything that's a little bit tricky to model, he can actually go and change it on the real thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. You've got that's an option to change which prototype yeah. you change. Very good. Yeah. But he's he's obviously right there uh, for the reference. So if mm-hmm. he needs, a, needs an extra bit of detail or a measurement, he can just pop outside and, and do that. So mm. we're in the very early stages of that, and I'm going to – uh, work with him to devise a common template mm-hmm. for the joining faces of Very the course cool. so we can all plug in to, mm-hmm. to the same point so that's really uh, only literally just this week come about and i'm at a stage where work is starting to see the end light at the end of the tunnel certainly so you can have a bit of time free uh freer now and with spring literally just around the corner and the clock's changed tonight it, it's sort of and it's it's getting warmer here mm. I mean, much more pleasant to be outside. So mm-hmm. uh, great hopes for the garden line and, and get back onto that. But I have got a, a slight deviation from that insofar as uh, you remember that my lo- wife's log cabin craft mm-hmm. room yep. built. Exactly what I was asking about. Yeah. But in front of that, there, there's a gap between that and the main path up the garden of mm-hmm. uh, about nine foot long. Mm. There, I'm going to have a piece of real two foot gauge track. Wonderful. Which uh, Ken has prepared. He's prepared the rails and he's made the fish plates for me. And he's got the sleepers uh, and he can bring them over. But he's also got a wagon that I can have as well. Ooh. So it, it's a it's a small flatbed wagon with a couple of end panels, I suppose. Yeah, but it, it's a well a well rotted wagon. Mm. So all nice and rusty, and the wood is is lovely and decayed and Wonderful. silky and bits of it missing. So what we're going to produce in front of the the log cabin is this short nine foot length for track and with this wagon on at one end and I'm going to look out for a small galvanized tank mm-hmm. that I can put on it that then I can have a, a water feature. I've, I've got uh, one of them big hand pump, uh, column hand pumps mm-hmm. I've had for years and I'm going to make that into a water feature so that it'll be pumping water into this tank on the wagon and that'll just be recycled. In front of that, on the other end of the wagon, I'm going to get a, make up a packing crate that's been distressed and sign written 
Ooh. line it out and make it into a uh, like a, a flower pot, a flower container, plant container, so we can have uh, some plants in there. Mm-hmm. So it, it melds into the garden a little bit because it's a, it's a bit of a garden feature and a water feature. Wonderful. But it, it also uh, makes my wife's log cabin look like a disused sort of station. <laughs> or bush, Very uh, good. I haven't Keep it all prototypical. It to her. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> That's the plan. And it's all ready to come across. I've just got to, the problem we got is unloading it because mm. we tried to pick up the wagon with the two of us when I was over there the other week and it's just too heavy. Mm. So, but he's got his digger that he can lift it onto oh, his yeah. pickup truck. It's when it gets to this end. So I'm just going, I'm going to arrange for my daughter and uh, partner to come around when Ken comes over. So there'll be four of us. Yeah. We'll be able to lift the wagon off the back of his truck. And we've only got to lift it from the truck to the ground. Once it's on the ground, we can wheel it. Three Certainly. of you could probably do it mm. but you haven't you've got no leeway for just Error. a bit of balance yeah a little bit of extra metal. so with four of us uh we should be able to do that so i've got that uh to sort out but uh that's sort of it with the garden line at Pretty the moment cool. there's just ideas in the head and things to do lots of buildings to make and in the main shed where there's going to be this big industrial complex it will plug into i've just when i get spare moments i i just scribble little sketches of typical industrial type buildings i think i would like to make mm. uh, if i see pictures on the on the internet or something i'll just grab them as reference think, oh yeah that's quite a nice sort of feature on something like that so we've got uh, although i'm not actually doing a vast amount of modeling i'm i'm sort of gathering data for, for when i do sort of really pick up the, the knife and, and whatever to, to get going again with building stuff i've got the information that, that i can crack on with it so uh, yeah looking forward to that we've actually got a an exhibition booking now for the yard Ooh, very nice so originally there was nothing this year for the yard but now we've got one in september very cool which is that's changed an order of things how we're going to do them here so probably during april we'll be pulling the yard out of storage setting it up and then just revisiting what were the bits we wanted to do uh, i know there's a, another building i want to make at the back mm. uh, I, I had embarked last year on quite a lot of extra detailing uh, which i got done mm. but there, there's still a bit more to do and there's still the, the pipe work to do Joel's very kindly printed me a new front suspension Ooh, for the TK with the nice. spring-in system mm-hmm. he's got, and also more turn arc on mm-hmm. it for us. And I've taken our old suspension system off, uh, front suspension, and it was when this when work started getting really busy and I never got to fitting the new one. But I have now actually got to get that underway and get that fitted and then neil wants to take the bedford because there's something wrong with the steering servo i think there's a cog that's stripped or something he knows what the problem is he's got the the servo with a metal gear now that to replace it but yeah i just need to fit the suspension and then give the hand it over to neil and he'll work his magic with fitting the the servo and i think he wants to tweak some of the settings as well Mm -hmm. the way the the power is delivered by the motor it's going to have a sort of a, a, a speed curve that's mm. more inducive to finer control. But yeah, yeah. he's going to do the magical bits on that. So I've cool. got that to sort out at some point. We have got another lorry to convert, which I'm actually looking as I look up. It's on my shelf. Mm-hmm. It's sitting in the box that I probably will make as a longer wheelbase, fixed wheelbase lorry, mm. but with a longer back to it. So it will help more with the bigger loads than mm. at the moment only the Arctic can uh, Mm -hmm. carry new loads we're going to build we've got again we've sketched some ideas out to make some more interesting loads uh that can be craned off Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah there's there's a fair amount really to do on the yard because we've got an exhibition that we've got a bit more impetus to do something without question yes we 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 know ourselves we just need deadlines otherwise Mm -hmm. it just there's always tomorrow Mm. (laughs) well shows are good deadlines to have aren't they well, we've always worked to shows so much better, and you always try and do something a little bit different, a little bit more since the last outing, or there might be something we discovered during operating. Yeah, we could just tweak this, or we could tweak that mm-hmm. uh, to make it just that little bit better uh, or a little bit more interesting. That's quite fun, but we've been so out of the loop with that for three years now. Mm. It's difficult to kick yourself and get yourself going, but, but hopefully this will now. Oh, I'm also... Uh, about to help Neil 
I don't know if you remember Brett Guy, he, he was building block instruments mm-hmm. for the railway, for the signaling, which he's built and he's, he's tested them and, and they're really, really good. He's now making cases for them that look old, mm-hmm. uh, of the old style. Although it's got modern innards internally, externally, it's got to look like the authentic old, uh, bell boxes and stuff. So, yes. And I've got some, in fact, I've got to go up the shed tomorrow and have a look at my shed and this, I need some hardwood, uh, tops and bottoms, which well, I will need to machine, uh, a nice edge to them, mm-hmm. a bit of fluting or something. Uh, so yeah, I've got to source what hardwoods I've got. I've just got loads of timber up there and oh, yeah. work out I've got enough. He's built four of these boxes. So Good. I need four tops, four bottoms. Cool. Also, he needs a, we've got the, Root indicator switch. It's a three position switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got line open, line closed, or train on track or something. I can't remember what they are exactly, but it needs a, uh, a guide for the switch, which mm-hmm. a label or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're quite often engraved in brass or something like that, but I can't engrave brass other than by hand. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to try and laser something, not in brass, but I'm going to probably laser something in some wood or some particular plastics that will have a, a you know, a reasonably nice effect. Uh, so we can mount those, but I'll, I'll do them in a style and a font that is in keeping with Without the question. with the age of yes. the, the signal box, uh, the bell boxes, and that. Very nice. So there's that to sort out. We've got a third of a mile of cable to lay for those. Mm-hmm. So again, we were just waiting. We've had a number of trees to fell at Breadgarn Clear, which they've now done. So we're going to go down at some point. We're going to lift. We've got the cables down there, and Ken's built a frame for the back of his pickup truck. And we can lift the cable drum onto it because it, it's it's armoured cable, so it's mm, very of course it's heavy. Yes, and it's got about a third of a mile of it. We'll put it on a frame on the back of his truck, and he can straddle the track with his pickup, and then he'll just drive down the track, and we'll unroll it off the back of the pickup mm-hmm. uh, down by the side of the line. So that's a, a job that's got done, got to be done. And there's a couple of crossings we've got to go under, but. Uh, the guys at Bread are getting the diggers out and they're going to scoop those out for Wonderful. us. So we, it, it, that makes it a lot easier. Very easy, yeah. Yeah, once that's in, then Neil can connect it all up and we've got a nice uh, block signaling system down there. Wonderful. Which will be, be very good. We're not opening at Easter this year. We've gone away from Easter now because there's just too many other events in the area. Certainly. Uh, and we're just competing with just too many things. But what they are doing, because it is the school holidays the easter holidays for two weeks we run what we term it we call midweek diesels mm-hmm. so uh from 11 till 2 each day during the week we run diesels where people come to the tea room or they come they come to the farm that's there we're, we're working jointly with the farm that's on site certainly so that uh, parents and, and families can come down and they just pay for a ticket to ride the diesel and that's that's we've done it on, on various other school holiday things and that's worked really really well mm. uh, so we decided to go that route uh, for easter and our first full steam event will be in may this year very cool so, uh, but you know it gives us time to sort out bits and pieces i don't know i'm probably going to go through a lot of my model railway stuff that i've got i've got to be realistic i don't need all of it um, <laughs> there's projects i thought i might be doing and i'm probably not in all honesty and mm. um, things like now Theobald Yard has, has gone to its maker in the sky mm-hmm. I have a huge volume of stock to run that well I've got no use for it mm. and I can't see myself ever building another 7 mil narrow gauge layout of a size that would warrant another <laughs> stock quite the volume interesting yeah and so I've you know I've got probably 30 40 locos to get rid of gosh uh, god knows how many wagons gosh. and coaches uh, various seven mil kits. I mean, I've got I've got both the backwards miniature seven mil Garrett kits. Uh, Interesting. Just sitting there. That uh, I don't know. I doubt I'm ever going to get around to doing those because for me, sixteen mil really is the scale I like. Without question, uh, and it and it suits me. And I've got a lot of seven mil standard gauge stuff. And but again, you know, we've got seven mil standard gauge on the yard. It's about three foot long on the bit of track. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't need a lot of stock <laughs> to run on that. Yeah, I think it's something I'm, I've just got to do. It's taking up cupboard space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could put money in the bank, which I could spend on 
or 16 mil stuff or just save the money. Mm. But yeah, it's probably better I do it now while I'm still alive. Otherwise, if I pop my clogs, the kids won't know what it's worth oh, or, or what the hell it is. So yes. it uh, saves them any hassle. So I'm going to, yeah, over the next few months, start getting that sorted out just to sort of have a tidy up and a sort out. But, Very good. Uh, yeah, that that's me at the moment. Well, pleasure catching up, Martin. Thank you for calling you, in today. I don't think I'll be making it to the UK this year. The girls are just all consuming. Um, (laughs) We were hoping to do one road trip, uh, but yeah, my wife went on a mini road trip and it wasn't much fun. So getting them sleeping in beds and just being considerably more civilized, toilet training, etc. seems to be the priorities over international trips currently. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you in spirit at least. Yeah, I, that, I mean, I remember of our ones, they were so much better when you didn't have to do anything. They sorted themselves out, got themselves dressed. You didn't have to bring any paraphernalia with them. That was the better age. Mm. Yes, that's <laughs> what coat. we're looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, grab your coat, put your shoes on, let's go. Amen. And, and that's it. You know, it's really uh, good. Yeah, I can appreciate where you're coming from. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a big call on your time. Believe and me. It's, it's just doing anything, it just becomes, it's just not practical. You think, oh, I can't be bothered. <laughs> Well, it's just the added exhaustion. I mean, it's exhausting enough traveling internationally, but uh, then when you've got all the additional permutations, I think Michelle and I are kind of looking at each other thinking, there's got to be a good UK and there's got to be a good Australia trip coming up, but it's not going to be happening anytime soon. (laughs) Yeah, we we remember, I remember when we took ours, uh, we used to go to Florida quite a bit. Ooh. uh, Because mum and dad used to have a villa out there. Mm -hmm. So uh, we used to go, and they they rented it out. And when there wasn't any bookings, that's when we'd go out there. We used to go out there quite a lot when the kids were younger. But Mm -hmm. it it was very, very lucky. Uh, I remember when we first took Kaylee, she was 18 months. uh, And we, at the time, they probably still do it. We we were lucky to get a bulkhead seat. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And they had what they, they called I think it was air cops or something. Cribs, These, yeah, certainly. Yeah, that plug into the bulkhead. Mm-hmm. And she was 18 months old. Thought, oh, no, they just know this is going to be. But she basically slept mm. <laughs> the whole flight, never got a peep out. Woke her up once to give her something to eat and drink and <laughs> put her back in again. And that was it. She was an absolute dream. Wonderful. Uh, uh, on the plane. So, uh, and the, the others were old enough not to have that problem. But yeah, it was a thing because you're always mindful of other people. Without question. Plane, you know, if your kids start playing, oh, up, it's, it's miserable for other people. Yes. We've, we've sat in front of people who've had kids who constantly kick the back of your seat and you just think, oh, you know, yes. I, I don't need this for sort of eight hours. Of a Amen. Flight, you know? Amen. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm always mindful of other people. But yeah, the, the time will come, Tom. And, Without uh, question. I'm looking forward to it. It yeah, will be a pleasure. A pleasure Thank catching you. up. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. Cheers. I'd like to welcome on Malcolm Johnson. Malcolm, it's been a while since we last had a chance to chat. Are you still in the same place in Sacramento? Yeah, we're still in Sacramento. We're renting a house now. And stuff. Ooh, yeah. much nicer. Much nicer. Actually, I have a backyard and things of that nature. So that's that's really nice. Pretty cool. But uh, we're looking at moving just because of the heat. Oh, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. So much in the model railroading hobby. You posted a video recently lamenting your previous layout. Anything coming up? Yeah, not really. I have given thought to, you know, organizing and making a little space to kind of take, you know, I have boxes and and boxes of my old layout still packed away here. And I've gone back and forth, you know, trying to think like, do I sell it? Do I go through it and Mm. sell most of it, keep a little bit and make like a little homage, you know? Mm. Well, I have one of those. I have an homage to your previous layout perfectly. I Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep it close to me. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful gift. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad you still have it. So, yeah, I've been playing around with that. I've, I've you know, since gotten into, you know, another hobby. And so that's taking up a lot of my space and everything mm. else. Yeah, it's it's an interesting little dilemma because, you know, I was talking to my wife about it. And it's like, well, I could take this stuff and sell it and then put that money, you know, A, into paying bills and, and then, you know, B, into the, the new hobby. But then there's still that little nagging bit of like, well, what if, what if I get a place and, and have a hankering to get back into it and, you know, want to do it. But uh, as I was saying earlier, you know, if, 
you know, getting older and having my eyesight being, you know, less than what it was, it might be something where getting into something a little larger scale mm. would be to go if I did get back into model railroading, I think. Mm. So potential to liquidate what you have and potentially to get into a new scale. Right. I've been looking at uh, ON30. Ooh. Um, and just, you know, how you can kind of have like a nice little switchback kind of mountain, mm-hmm. you know, thing going on and it doesn't take up that much space. And, you know, you can really get into building little uh, details mm. into it, which would be kind of fun. And I still have this thing in my head where I had this layout, one of the, when I first started getting into, you know, the hobby again, I was like, ooh, I could have a, a thing where I'll have like a top area. And that'll go into like a, a mine shaft kind of mm-hmm. that would kind of go under and be, you know, in the, you know, below it and have stalactites and stalagmites and, yes. and lights hanging and all that. So that would be kind of a fun little thing to do, but I'm not quite sure it'll happen. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Living vicariously through other people's louts and getting obviously Facebook, YouTube. I mean, there are so many different locations now to gather inspiration and HON30, mm. I don't know, in terms of local shows, there is an HON30 group, but I think they were more in terms of the Central Coast as opposed to the Northern California, uh, mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, in terms of local shows, another thing, have you been to any recently? I really haven't. I, you know, whatever it was now, three years ago now, mm-hmm. when I tore down the layout, I kind of got away from the hobby just because it was such a painful process. Oh, yeah. And it would just, you know, bring up memories and like, oh, yeah, I used to love my layout. <laughs> yes. And so I kind of got away from it. Um, I do lurk on uh, on YouTube mm-hmm. and I've been following a couple of cool YouTube channels that talk about layouts and stuff, but I haven't really been to any shows. Very cool. And so, yeah, HON30 removes itself completely from the Japanese prototype, I'd imagine. So yeah. you'll be modeling something completely different. Yeah, it would be a, a whole different deal. It would be... You know, probably um, try to keep it in, you know, in the era of like mining and and things like that. I think that would be kind of fun and break Mm. away from the, you know, the Japanese layout. It was so much fun to do. And I I just, you know, I jump on every once in a while. There's a couple of different Japanese rail uh, Facebook groups Mm -hmm. and, and I've been, you know, every once in a while I'll jump in there and say, oh, well, I did this. This might be helpful and, you know, kind of give my my two cents. But, yeah, just going through and, and kind of building it up. And then I had that brief time where I had talked to you and uh, I wasn't quite happy with what I had. And you said, mm-hmm. well, you could always just change it, <laughs> you know. And, yeah. And I did that and it was wonderful. I, I had it really down to what I, you know, wanted and had lots of action and lots of details and all that. And so I think if I were to get into it, I kind of ditched that because I kind of did it. And I, I think I'd always be comparing it to yeah. layout. And so I think I would just kind of tear away from it, just go a whole different direction and really get into it. Maybe actually get into that thing that I was trying to do with my uh, Japanese layout, which mm-hmm. is kind of hide, you know, I like hiding things in the layout. Mm. So, you know, hiding little creatures or, or something, kind of make it a, um, you know, not not a whole fantasy layout, but have little, you know, weird things that you can find in the layout. And I think Very that would cool. be kind of fun for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for calling into Model Rail Radio today, Malcolm. It's always a pleasure catching up with you. It's yeah, funny it's been we, a while. Yeah, it has. I really enjoyed our last time in Sacramento. We went. I think we went and saw a couple of layouts and had a long drive, picked up a coffee. That was a great multiple louts kind of road trip conversation uh adventure it was fun yeah that was great i love that yeah got to do it again at some point we most definitely shall i'm uh, you know we we both are now the fathers of daughters mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so i'm well aware of the uh, responsibility that gives but it'd be wonderful having our children to meet each other as well potentially in the future so I don't know. We keep planning a road trip to Northern California and it keeps, we keep encountering issues associated with it. Like, for example, the fact that the girls won't sleep in beds in a room easily currently. So keeping our fingers on the pulse, I think Michelle's going to try a a local hotel room in about three months time to see how they are. But yeah, not really traveling currently, unfortunately. Yeah, there's a period of time where that's just not a, a good option. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're in that period currently. Anyway, pleasure catching up. Thank you very much for calling in today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on.
another model rail radio. Like I mentioned through this show, kind of post Lawrence Eggering, always interesting to predict. But uh, thanks to everyone, I contacted a bunch of folk on Facebook, Malcolm, Dave Barraza, even Martin as well, and uh, got them on at the end of the recording. So one can gather the numbers, one can gather the audio volume uh, just by doing this. And my hope is that uh, I'll increase the frequency in the next few months associated with them. Although, the summer months, always interesting, particularly in Las Vegas. I think I'll just shut up my room and uh, record in the dark. That sounds like a perfect opportunity. Anyway, thanks to everyone for calling in today. Thanks to folks for listening in. Good afternoon.